Um, when people are posting and saying, oh, I went to this type of a stylist and I don't like it or I'm freaking out, what's happening is they're saying, well, that's what you get for going to an Ulta or that's what you get for going to a Great Clips or whatever. And it's like, um, we can be saying that or that's what you get for going to an independent hairstylist. Right. right. It doesn't matter where the stylist works. It does it, not. It doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. Welcome to the Messy Hairstylist Podcast. I'm Kelsey Morris. And I'm Abby Warther. Whether you are a mess literally or figuratively, we are here to help you take imperfect action to find your success as a hairstylist. I hit on a controversial topic on TikTok and it really oh, kind of took I love one when of my, you do this. It took one of my posts a little viral and I am getting a lot of new followers off of it, but I found that there was a hot button topic that I didn't know existed. And actually what people were kind of accusing me of in the comments is not anything that I said. Um, But so that shows that it was a very reactive type of topic. And it was something that really, like I said, hit that hot button. And I realized, let's talk about it because I want to clear the air that what maybe some people thought I was saying on TikTok is not what I was saying. And oh um, I think it's a really, really good topic. And you don't even know what it's, it is yet. Yeah. yeah. Get me out of suspense. What's happening? What is this topic? Okay. okay. So story time. Backstory. Okay. Yes. Go. Love it. Alrighty. So I was scrolling TikTok like I love to do on my downtime. Mm-hmm. And when I'm really avoiding trying to work like for our last episode with office days. So I'm scrolling TikTok and I see this um, everyday person. She is posting her hair. She's sitting in a chair and her hair has lightener painted in it, just like hand painted balayage, open air or open painting. And she is literally like TikToking in real time. Like I'm freaking out. What did she just do to my hair? And she was sitting in an Ulta salon. Okay. Okay. All right. So she, I'm invested. I'm like, first of all, I look at this painting that's done in this Ulta salon by an Ulta stylist that this client is freaking out about because she doesn't know what it is. Because we have to remind people that that not only stylists, but clients really still don't understand what balayage is. So I now go to her page because I'm like, I got to follow this story. This is fascinating because this looks mm-hmm. perfect. It was perfectly painted, but she doesn't even realize how great of a stylist she had doing her hair. And so she's posting. She's gone viral for this. Okay. She's got all these people watching. She has so many likes, so many views, so many comments. It's gone nuts. And I look, the end result was stunning. Okay. Yeah. So that's the little backstory of the context of what I'm talking about here. So on the tickety tockety, I decided to do what they call a stitch. Okay. So if if you aren't aware, what a stitch is, is you can take somebody's video and then you can kind of like take that and cut into it and make it your own video. You see, ever see where they like oh, okay. show a clip of, of, of someone's content and then it says t- stitch incoming at the top. And then you can go to, so you use it as a reference for the content that you're creating. So oh, cool. I got on the tickety tockety and I, and mm-hmm. I stitched her like, oh my gosh, what is on the top of my head? Like what happened? What did the stylist do to me? Is this my hair going to be okay? I stitched that. And I had this whole thing where I said, oh my gosh, I'm blown away right now. This hairstylist, she, um, this is 
wonderful painting. And what I went on to say is that I know that um, Ulta stylists get, um, they get roasted on, yeah, on TikTok do. or any other like um, great clips type place, you know, those, those big chain quick salons, these stylists mm-hmm. get roasted, especially right. on TikTok, I find. So that's what the whole context was. I'll let all y'all go and see that at my Abby W balayage on TikTok. I did not post it on Instagram at one stays on TikTok. And what happened in the comments was people, a lot of people were understanding what I was saying, but there were some that came in hot and they were like, oh what's gosh. with all the bashing on the Alta stylist? They're talented stylists too, accusing me or people just really bashing Alta hairstylists. But so, you weren't even bashing Ulta hairstylists. No, I actually was saying, I guess what I did say, I guess what I did say was like, this is incredible work and she works in an Ulta. And I want to give context to what I meant there. But what I found interesting is, and this is the topic I wanted to bring today is, can we, is it fair to say that hairstylists that work in those types of um, quick salons or corporate salons, I guess I'll call it a corporate salon. Um, is it fair to assume that they're all bad hairstylists? Oh, absolutely. Or not. is it something else? Right. Exactly. That's what I think. So that's such a good topic. So did you, did you know that I worked at an Alta? Did you work at an Alta? Yes. Yeah, okay, good. I did. Right. I worked okay. at an Alta. I didn't know that. And so, okay, this is even more perfect. So that's that's what I want to get into. So if you want all the drama, you can go to my TikTok and you can read people's comments and stuff. It was like a, a fraction of everyone else in the comment section saying like, oh my gosh, she did a great job. I love this. Mm-hmm. You know, Great conversations. But there was that TikTok side of things where people did not read a thing. And, and yeah, of course. But it brought up the topic of, can we talk about corporate salons, Altas, Great Clips, things like that? What types of stylists are working there? Are Can we assume that they're all bad hairstylists or they don't care and they're just there to bust out hair and just get their quotas in? Or is it a stepping stone? Like you just said, mm-hmm. that's where you started. Yeah. Like, yeah. let's talk about that because I think that it's a conversation to be had. We can't. No, it's a it's a anything. great conversation. Well, okay, I have a lot of thoughts on this. When I worked at Ulta, it was I went right after school. Like I came right out of hair school, and I worked at an Ulta for like eight months, um, with the intention of building my business, building my clientele, um, and then moving on eventually. Because I just knew personally that I wasn't. I didn't want to be a commission hairstylist. Now I think. In my honest opinion, as Ulta is maybe one of the better options for a commission hairdresser. And here's why I, f- I feel that way. Um, as we've seen with a lot of like the big corporate salons, especially like in the Columbus area, they always come with these um, training programs that they're paid like minimum wage to go through. So that's like a nine to 12 months training program that you get paid like $11 an hour, which you can barely survive on. And you're not actually allowed to do hair. Then you have to sign a non-compete, basically like sign your life away that I'm not going to take clients. And if I do, they're going to sue me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then the advancement is very slow. Um, and they are like forced to sell in a certain amount of retail to like advance 
not based on their skills, but like based on their retail sales. So those are some of the things that I've seen some for some of the bigger corporations around here that are not Ulta. With Ulta, when I worked there, I was very impressed with their education program. So I think it's interesting that people are like giving Ulta a bad rap or saying like, oh, well, they're not good hairstylists when actually they had really great education. I remember being there and us like going, they gave us a class. We, they paid for us to go to a class with a really talented hairdresser. And I learned so much in that class. And I did like two or three of them in the eight month time I was there. Um, so, and, and their, their advancement, the way that they do their commission rate wasn't based on your product sales or how many clients you had. It was, it was obviously based on how booked you were or which I think makes sense. Like obviously if you're retaining clients, you're doing something right, you're doing good work. So then you can move up into a higher commission rate. So I really think that they do a great job at Ulta. Now I can't speak for like great clips or some of the other ones that I, I'm not really exactly sure about, but I have to feel like they as a corporate, you know, hair salon provide training as well. Yeah, so that's what I wanted. That's what I wanted to really touch on. But first, I have a question. So, I think that's where the the difference needs to be pointed out. So, at Ulta, you were a commission stylist, correct? Okay, correct. So, I think that can be a huge misconception because I think what's happening is what I see, and this is from general public, and maybe as hairstylists, there's we we think certain ways about what types of salons people have worked at or came from that what okay so when you say like those bigger corporate salons in Columbus those are privately owned large salons in Columbus right so that's not like also a national, commission yeah no. and commission and commission so there's that okay so we all know the independent routes right there's independent there's booth rental owning your own salon whatever it is and then you've got commission you've got those giant big um, privately owned commission salons like you have in Columbus that have been around for 20, 30, 40 years. Um, then we have the Altas that is a national corporate mm-hmm. company, right? This isn't just right. in the greater Columbus area. This is all over the country, mm-hmm. a corporate company commission. But then you have the corporate companies that are national, like the Great Clips, the Famous Hairs. There's all different ones. Cost Cutters is a huge one. Um, you also have the men's um, sports clips, right? Right, right. And right. so those are a totally different um, structure. Those are typically an hourly rate, yeah. And a lot of those are based off of quantity and not mm-hmm. um, what you're looking for at Altas. So I think what I see happening is Alta stylists are getting pegged as like the cost cutter type stylist. Right. 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 And it is different. I, I, I 100% agree. But I have an unpopular opinion. I might get just blown up for this and that's fine. I think that, um, wh- I'm trying to think of the right way to word this. There are so many people who, are, who have gone on this path of being an ind- independent hairdresser. And being independent is great. I'm independent. You are. We both own booth rental salons. Like I, I love it. Um, but to be honest, if you are an independent, no one is really regulating um, 
your classes, if you're taking classes, if you're actually turning out the work that you are showing on Instagram or if it's filtered, um, no one's actually like forcing you to take continuing education. Like my thought process process is think about how many people are independent stylists out there and who aren't taking frequent classes, who aren't getting better. But yet you have this whole group of Ulta professionals who are forced, not forced, but are, 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 it's part of their um, company culture. Yes, yes. Part of yeah, the co- word yeah. force is strong, but it's like yeah. they're going to these classes, continuing education. They're expected to continue to grow and learn. These opportunities are provided to them from a from their from their company. So, like, think about how far ahead they are than the independent stylist who can take a good picture, who's just sitting in their suite and you know, like probably haven't gotten any education recently. Like no one's thinking about it that way. I love that. That's why I love this conversation because we're pegging these stylists because of where they work into certain levels of um, talent, right? Right. And that is so true. What we're seeing, it's just because someone works at an altar somewhere else doesn't mean they're not a talented stylist because they didn't go independent. Exactly. Exactly. And that's why I did that TikTok because I'm like, this, you have to go look because this, the painting that that stylist did was, it was foil stroke painting for anyone that knows balayage world. It was small, tiny, detailed perfection. I was mm. so impressed because it's hard. It's in a, this is what I had said in either the video or some comments. I was like, this is something that takes a lot of practice, a lot of mm-hmm. practice. And still it's, it's takes a certain type of stylist that can truly paint like that. So that's, I was thoroughly impressed with this stylist. And I think what is interesting is that um, when people are posting and saying, oh, I went to this type of a stylist and I don't like it, or I'm freaking out what's happening is they're saying, well, that's what you get for going to an Ulta or that's what you get for going to a Great Clips or whatever. And it's like, um, we can be saying that or that's what you get for going to an independent hairstylist. Right. right. It doesn't matter where the stylist works. It does it, not. It doesn't matter. It does not matter at all. There are some, I have, someone recently said like my so-and-so goes to one of like the quick Great Clips place, but he always makes sure to get Sally, she's worked there for 20 years. She's so good. She busts them out. That exists. That happens. Right. So you can get bad service with an independent stylist and sometimes more easily, more frequently with no Mm -hmm. accountability, with no nothing. Oh, right. Exactly. Because they, the thing about that is like, you know, I used to say early on, like I loved when I worked at Ulta because I was able to learn and make mistakes with someone else backing me. So think about in those situations where if I had a client, I worked at Ulta, I'm a newer hairstylist, but I'm in, I'm in training, but still allowed to be on the floor making money, but they're putting me through an education. And then a client comes in and I, I don't do a great job, but guess what? There's a master stylist sitting right next to me who, if my client didn't like Mm. her hair, she is going to tell Ulta be like, Hey, this wasn't great. And they're gonna be like, okay, we're gonna put you with her. She's going to fix it. And this is going to be great. And then Kelsey is gonna be able to watch her watch this. And you know, she's going to develop as well. Now, if you go to an independent hairdresser, you don't like your hair. Guess what happens? Mm. Absolutely nothing. You're up a Creek. You're like, okay, 
the stylists don't want to contact that exact stylist or client. Well, and if they to... do contact, even if they did contact that stylist, think about how, how does many that ha- like, how sorry. is that Yes. How are they going to handle that? Do they have the skills? Because that's 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 why being an independent hairstylist is not for everybody. And it's, it's not, not for the the faint of heart. Like you have to have thick skin. You got to be able to handle business. You, be, you have to handle tough conversations, clients getting upset with you. What if you mess up? Because we all do. Right. Right. So it's not easy. So that's what I loved about seeing this work and this um, client absolutely thrilled because and I did say, and I can see how this would have um, ruffled the wrong the people's feathers a little bit. I did say, so this stylist that works at Ulta, she is ab- obviously incredibly um, um, talented. So um, I don't know if she's ever thought about getting out of a Ulta, but she definitely has a really successful career ahead of her. And my yeah. point in that is growth, you know, like I don't care if you're at Ulta, if you're at another commission salon, wherever you are, if you're talented, I don't want to see you working at the same salon for 20, 30 years. Right. And feeling trapped into it. And I think that's not growth. I almost feel like that's another episode conversation. I really, I have this idea that just popped in my mind. Maybe that'll be our next episode because I do think there is such this misconception about you know, how many stylists I've talked to who are in a commission-based situation and they get comfortable and they're doing okay and things are going well for them, but like they choose not to grow because of fear. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to, you know, go independent at that point. It means you have to advocate for yourself a little bit and try to, you know, grow in your industry and get a a raise. So I think that could be another topic. No, it's a great topic. So I think that going back to the corporate salons and whether it be a, I don't, I, what's the the term for, I would love to have terms to differentiate between a cost know, cutters and Alta. Um, but to me, it's the, it's the quick in and out, like the cost cutters. Right. Where you can like schedule day of, like you're going in and you walk, I think in. You walk, walk in. in. I think a lot of those places um, do a lot more hair cutting, you know, they're yes. doing a lot more cutting. It's volume. Um, they just it's, get, it's volume. As many based. people in and out. It's about how fast you are. And, and the thing that I see with that is you, I hear stylists say like, well, why would someone go work at a place like that? And why do people, why do hairstyles stay working at a cost cutters type of salon? And the reality is, is when they're in school, whether they go to a vocational school or whatever, whatever hair school, um, these salons are recruiting them and they're mm-hmm. offering them a job and they're offering them guaranteed pay. And right. that's the broken part of our industry of if someone does go commission or if they're crazy enough to go independent right off the bat, there is no guaranteed pay in the beginning. There's a lot of hard work with not a lot. And there are laws changing in certain states and stuff, but that's why stylists go there, not because there are less than stylists, but because that is the best financial option. There's a lot of stylists that get out of school that are living on their own. They're single moms. They have to make money. And then that's what I've seen that a lot with um, stylists who've interviewed with me. I have hired stylists that have come out of those types of quick salons. Mm-hmm. And um, they they 
take the leap. It is literally taking a leap and a downgrade in pay to go from a place like that to go to try and build at a commission salon because they're essentially starting all over. So that's why stylists go there. And that's why they stay because our industry is broken for the new hairstylist. Yeah, I I 100% agree. I feel like what it all comes down to, and when you say things like our industry is broken, it's, it's so true. I feel like as a whole, we need to stop judging stylists for where they work, um, what their business is, and start supporting each other as we grow in our careers. And whether you work at an Ulta, a Great Clips, um, an independent stylist, or a big commission salon, like we're all out there doing good work. And really what matters is the education and the time we're putting into it. So if you're a stylist and you're thinking to yourself, like either one, I work in a commission salon, I want to get out of it, or I'm really comfortable with where I am. I just want to continue to enhance my skills. I think ultimately the most important thing is to not feel trapped where you're at. And for us all to like, I don't know, like support each other. Stop being so like, oh, you work here, you work there. Yes. Like you're not doing this. Like just, no. just stop and and really remember that we all like have different things we like. I have to say one more thing when you were saying okay. it, because I got distracted. When you were talking about like why people work at like Great Clips or why they do that, like, okay, let's say this. Some people just really like to cut hair. Mm-hmm. I do not love to cut hair. I do not. I cut hair. I do an okay job. I am, you know, like, I don't want to say okay job. I do a good job, but it's not something I love to do. Yes. Kelsey's client. She does an incredible job. I do a decent job. Um, No, it's not something that I'm like passionate about. I do. I actually can cut great hair. Um, I'm a French hair cutter. So like I, I give a great haircut, but it's not something I'm passionate about. There are stylists out there who just want to cut hair. What's wrong with them working at Great Clips where they can get in the volume and then they get so fast and they're turning out great work because Mm -hmm. they can do them fast, give a solid haircut because that's what they like to do. And they can come into work. They can bust out the haircuts. I'm sure they have benefits and all these things that are really just advantageous for them as a human being. And, And so like you were saying before, we need to maybe stop judging on where people work and assume their skill level. And instead, when we see good work, celebrate it like I was doing. And I just think it's so funny that through me celebrating somebody, people had to find criticism. And that's just a lesson that no matter what, just spread happiness, celebrate people. You're always going to get those negative naysayers and just keep spreading your positivity because good things will come no matter what. That was a terrible ending. I had no one how to. Oh, I loved it. You even ended it, but then you started. I don't know how you're going to cut out. That was a terrible ending, but you could try to cut it out. That's so funny. 